Brahma Viharas are meant to be. Metta and Karuna, compassion and sympathetic joy, they're all meant to be the honest response of the heart to the moment. That's what they are. As the honest response of the heart to the moment is fear and contraction and pain, the honest response to that is compassion for myself. Really, the whole practice happens right here. And then at some point, maybe, when there's enough healing, can think of somebody with at least not ill will. Maybe even sometimes in recognition of their own pain, some goodwill. But I don't think it can make a, uh, I don't think you can have a spiritual bypass. I think it has to come through your own, your own being for as long as it has to. So I think all, every once in a while you have the idea that I should have gotten over this. That so doesn't make sense to me. According to what? You know, where is, the timetable by which we should have gotten over something, you know. It's just what works for us. Maybe we will do a little bit of this practice because it's an important piece. I'll tell you what I'd like for us to do. Stand up where you are, take three breaths and sit down. After this practice, we'll stretch a little bit. Stand up, take three breaths. and then sit back down. If we were on a long retreat together, we would do days and days of benefactor practice and personal practice and the people we love a lot practice before we even considered bringing to mind the people who have hurt us and offended us. We just would. I'd like you to be very relaxed in your expectations. You don't know. Just exploring. Sit in a way that's comfortable and alert. You might notice if your mind's just even a wee bit worrisome now, because you somewhat know where we're going. Like maybe you've uh, had the thought, I wonder who will come to mind. I first did this practice, I thought, well, this will be easy. I don't have anybody on that list. I had a big list. So think of it as an exploration. First of all, just breathe. Relax your body. Smile. proximal cause of the arousing of metta is thinking the good about somebody. So thinking good about yourself, what a good thing it was that you did for yourself that you came today.
could have done anything. And a whole world of choices. You chose to come here and work on connecting with your innate good-heartedness. What a good thing. Even before you arrived, everything that you did was on behalf of all beings. That's amazing. So we'll spend a few minutes, maybe make those phrases of good wishing for yourself. May I be free of danger. May I be safe if you like those better. May my mind be happy. May my body be peaceful. May I live with ease. At some point, whenever you want to, think about your benefactor, the person who your heart lifts up when you think about that person.
think about some of your friends that you love a lot. One or two or Maybe you can remember the person you were thinking about at lunch. That you really don't know. And make those resolves on behalf of that person. Maybe now that you're thinking about that person that you don't know at all and perhaps felt some affection for while you were thinking about them, you might think about all the people in the world that you don't know at all, which for most of us, for all of us, is right up around six billion. Think about it. We maybe know, I don't know few hundred people, some closely. Most of six billion we don't know at all. might be saying, may all beings be free of danger. May all beings have mental happiness. May all beings have minds that are happy. May all beings have bodies that are peaceful. May all beings be living with ease. And imagine in your mind eye some way in which that might be happening. What the world would be like if that were happening. 
see how your body feels when you do that. Check it out. See if it's relaxed. How does it feel? Remember to smile. In all those 8 billion people, 6 billion people, there are some people with whom we have conflictual relationships. You might choose one, certainly one at a time. Just allow that person, their image, to arise in your mind, their name in your memory. Just see if you can stay alert to what happens. See what happens if you make the attempt to wish them well. And just explore that a little bit. See how it is. And by and by we'll talk about it together. Just while we're in this mode of exploration, without needing to come to some resolution, without needing it to work out one way or the other way, maybe continue to sit and take some breaths and 
think of your benefactor for a little bit and, and find someone else with whom you've had a difficult relationship. More difficult or less difficult. See how it is with that person to bring them to mind. See how that is, and you might want to let your mind rest a little bit and think again about all the beings that we share the world with human beings, other beings. You might want to end this period of sitting by hearing what the Buddha said about towards whom we ought to wish these wishes of kindness. All beings, all living beings, all creatures, all individuals, all things in existence, all females, all males, all enlightened beings, all unenlightened beings, all devas and brahmas, all beings on every other realm, all beings. I know we've been sitting for a little while and I do want us to get up and move a little bit but it's so important right now to talk about that experience and how it was for you. Let's do it a little bit while you remember. Yeah. Just talking to you and the practice before but it carried over even more in this one. Um, lately I've been really concentrating on a world critic, and sitting on the moon and going to the piano. And what I found today is the things that I may have criticized in the people that I had problems with, in doing meta, it was turned around. 
Mm-hmm. Irene, yes. Eileen. I'm, I'm sure you all heard that, so I don't have to do it over. Also, to just to underscore the the point that doing metta practice and holding our hearts open does not mean that we give up the quality of um, discriminating awareness. You don't give up noticing what's true about people. Actually, we can turn around, usually, can turn around what we know about people to now what we also know about people and what we know about ourselves in response to that. So often, I think it's true for me, perhaps for you, and I heard it a little bit in what Eileen was saying, that what I am most critical about in other people is what I really don't want to see in my own self. You know, that part of my own shadow is what I'm hiding from. And I hide from it by being busy criticizing other people for having it. Um, what else happened to you? One of the things that the second person that I worked with was harder for me than the first was surprised me. And when I got to know your body be peaceful, what flowed through my mind was I stopped breathing. This person was an alcoholic, and I watched myself shift out of this peaceful place to this is how I want your body to be. <laughs> this is very important, Ruth. Again, I'm remembering that a number of people here are here because this is also meant to be helpful for um, psychotherapists. It's, I, for me, I, I keep thinking that it's all helpful uh, for everybody because we're all in relationship with other people. But just to particularly underscore those points of... Uh, when a behavior that someone is doing is frightening to us, it's so hard for us to keep ourselves just wishing them well and knowing that really, the well, wishing may help them, but in fact, it's one of the many things that will help people. They can't change any faster than they do. Um, and the best that we can do is to have an open heart about it especially uh, in the days that uh, I was doing more, uh, I was working individually with people as a therapist, I would discover how frightened I got when they weren't, so to speak, getting better. Uh, And uh, uh, how much that brought up in me my own feelings of inadequacy, my own concerns about these folks are coming here with every hope that I'll help them out. They pay me for it, and they don't seem to be getting better. And then I found that I didn't like them so much. It's really true. I want to tell a teeny story now so that I am sure that I have made this day relevant to the psychotherapist. (laughs) That's really why. Uh, Otherwise, I would save this story for next month or whenever it is that we meet again because it's a compassion story just as well. Uh, I saw a person, this is very disguised, all the stories I have told you so far are, are in fact who the people were and what they said. And I didn't hide because they were not privileged communications. This is a disguised story so it's not actually the story because I need to protect that privilege. But um, a person came to see me um, feeling depressed and stuck in his life. And he had several things that he was stuck about. Um, His work wasn't going very well professionally. Um, He was upset about that. Um, He had a family, and uh, his uh, wife had uh, an illness that was uh, 
an ongoing, not grave illness, but debilitating illness. And that was a problem. Had a teenage child that was in a lot of trouble. That was another problem. He also had a love affair that the other person had just broken up with him. That caused him the most pain. This is a fake story. I have changed every detail of it, so in case you know somebody with that, it's not them. But it could have been. Four different things that were problematic, and one of them, the ruptured love affair. And um, came to see me because they felt stuck and demoralized and depressed and unhappy. And they thought that they'd get better from being with me. I think they came here and heard me teach and liked what I said. And um, so I, I did the very best I could as a therapist. You give people space. You try not to judge. You try to say helpful things. You try to say, I wonder if you ever thought this or that. I did every single thing that I knew how to do. I tried to be... Um, I tried to be open. I guess I tried, but not hard enough. Um, or I thought I was trying. I thought I was trying. And I saw this person several times, maybe a week apart, maybe three times. And, and I realized that nothing was happening. And uh, I also know one of the, one of the ways that I uh, would uh, check myself when I was working in that way to see if I were really there, was I would notice if I uh, looked at the clock during the hour. If I looked at the clock, you have to look at the clock sometimes because you have to know what time it is. If I looked more than once, that's truly more than twice, that meant that I was uncomfortable. I was really hoping that the time be over. So I wasn't, I, I got it that I was feeling a little bit daunted by this relationship, a little concerned about that it wasn't actually working. There's a way in which when you are working with somebody, you know when it's working, even that they don't feel that much better, but you know that there's some working alliance happening, something's going on. And then one time, it was the day of this person's appointment, and um, I was standing at my window and looking out, and I saw him come around the corner coming for his appointment. And I realized, because I was just looking in a, I was relaxed, looking at, that my heart sank. And I realized in that moment, with a clarity that I hadn't realized before, that I didn't like him. That I had decided, because in his constellation of things that concerned him, that, um, his upset about his lost love affair was the most important thing in his life. That's what he wanted to talk about. I worried about his wife's illness. I worried about his business being in a precarious place and him having to float a family with his wife being ill. I worried about his child being in difficulty. I thought the ruptured love affair was the least of his difficulties. But that was just my opinion. It wasn't his experience. His experience was that he was in terrible pain about it. And I realized in that moment that I had made that judgment. I had decided to prioritize his pain and decide that he had the wrong pain. He shouldn't have that pain. He should have another kind of pain. I also realized that we can't do that. Pain is pain. You can't decide what people should be having their pain about. I also realized that I made that priority list and didn't like him because his list frightened me. That I was frightened to think that people could have, in my view, such a bad judgment that they would use all their energy about a ruptured relationship that maybe wasn't such a wise or skillful thing to do to begin with in the face of being responsible for a number of lives that were in trouble. Now that's a value judgment 
you know, I, I admit to having had it, but I, I was so clear that the reason that I didn't like him was that it frightened me to think that people could have wrong values like that. I'd like, you know, I, I am frightened, I think. I'm in tremendous awe of um, people who are therapists who work with uh, people who abuse their children. I think it's incredible that they can do that with loving, open, really kind hearts, realizing that if this person was not so confused or wounded themselves, they would be doing it differently. Very scary to me to think that this is a world in which people really hurt their children and do that. I'm not, I, I wasn't that good. I didn't do that kind of work. Or I didn't choose to do it because I didn't feel that that was my longest suit. But when I realized in that moment that I don't like this person, then also realized I don't like them because I'm frightened of them. Then what happened is that he came in, we sat down, he talked again about the same things he had been talking about, that he saw the person that he'd been involved with and she hadn't looked at him and he had felt this and she had felt that. Conversation which I had previously felt was trivial and irritating and which I didn't have a lot of patience for. So first of all, I realized when I was frightened that I did uh, some metta practice myself. When I'm frightened, I do practice myself. May I be free of danger. May my mind be happy. May my body be peaceful. May I live with ease. So I could sit in the same room with him and feel relaxed. Maybe while you were sitting doing that practice that we've been doing all day, you discover that your body gets a little relaxed. Sometimes mine actually feels warm. You can feel it warm up. You feel that? It warms up a little bit. The muscles relax. You feel sometimes warmth in your hands and your face. So I listened to him. I looked at him. I'm not doing the words out loud. doesn't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing that, and then I feel better. And then I feel better. I can start to do that wishes for him, which I did. And I did those wishes for him. And by and by, I really could feel he's in pain. It's quite apart from pain about the right thing, pain about the wrong thing. You know, I can't legislate somebody else's pain. Pain is pain. He's in pain. May you be free of danger. May your mind be happy. May your body be peaceful. May you live with ease. So I didn't say anything about that. He talked and talked. I felt that. But I could tell that the room changed, that there's a different feeling in the room when that happened. And he could tell it too. And I could feel that the atmosphere changed. And I saw him a few more times, and he resolved some things, and thought he felt better enough to finish, and I felt good about the work that we did. I was sorry I hadn't realized it earlier. But I hadn't. But I think it's important for me to tell the story, first of all, because for the people who are here signing papers, that this is part of their ongoing training, there it is. For all of us, <laughs> for all of us, the same truths are true. We do that. We get frightened of people. We make opinions of them. We hold them out of our hearts. We solidify the opinions. The relationships get more and more tense. They don't heal us. They don't heal them. They just make everybody more frightened. What else happened to you? I'd like a number of people. So tell, tell in a brief way what happened to you. Yeah, Roberta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, I think that the, 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 the two things that you bring up that are very important to uh, just note for everyone. One is the fear that comes up in us. Uh-oh, if I relax my guard and just love this person, will I accidentally slack off and they'll just do whatever they do? Um, <laughs> that somehow we are morally bound to not slack off in our uh, uh, moralizing about people. Um, I think the other part of what you said, if people were peaceful and happy, I'm committed to the idea that if people were not frightened, they would share more and do more things that are for the good of all beings. So I believe that. Um, also, uh, everybody laughed when you mentioned about having done that practice. We've done it here of a Wednesday morning, um, and not everybody has the same political persuasions, by the way. But just mentioning political figures, I'm thinking about the way in which we think, mm, and how painful it is to us, you know, how, what a practice it is, you know, that even if we don't know people pers- personally, how to practice walking that path between having um, uh, 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 the power of discernment and not having a closed heart that we can make decisions, this is valuable, this is not valuable, and not hate people for it. That Because we don't make them better by hating them, and we certainly don't make our space any better by doing that. Really, it's it's a poison. So, both ways. Um, somebody, yeah, else? Candace. Candace. And I found that, um, I was thinking about that issue while I was doing it, because most of my people who came up were actually people who were really important to me and that I love a lot. And it seems like we have a lot of different you know, different categories of people that we have problems with. You know, there are those people that we don't agree with politically or you know, on the street and they bump into us or something, we don't know at all. Um, but it seems like it's really good practice to see where these things come up when they come up with people that we really love. And so it was, it, it, I ended up really having compassion for myself and loving kindness towards myself because I could see how much my views change towards these people depending on where I am on a particular day or, again, using my power of discernment to see that this isn't so good for them mm-hmm. and, and that's valuable too. Mm-hmm. Very important. And so without repeating the whole of it, that Candace said that there are different categories of people people who alarm us or startle us, who we hardly know, but then the people in our regular ongoing life who uh, have various aspects of them. I hope this is a more or less appropriate... It wasn't very clear what I was saying. I hope that this is more or less close. I think about the people who are nearest and dearest to me, and you think about who are nearest and dearest to you. I think to myself, I have the same... I am fortunate I have the same life partner for a very long time now. If a magic Cinderella fairy godmother appeared with a wand and said, I really know that you have a very close and wonderful long-term everlasting bond with this person, but I'll fix one thing about them (laughs) with this wand. What would you like fixed? You can think of something, you know, with that wand. So for most people... They, you know, we have really, the people that we choose to stay with a long time, we love them a lot. And we wouldn't mind if they fixed this little trait or that little trait. You know, we could just tidy them up a little bit. And what happens is when we are tired or overwhelmed or not in our best shape, and they do that little trait, that becomes such a huge trait. It becomes the only thing about them. It's the only thing you remember. And then you start, one, I, I won't say you, I know that the kinds of thoughts that come up about how could I possibly live out a life with this person who has that trait or what on earth could have caused me to think I could live with a person that has that trait or too bad I'm stuck now with that person that has that trait. There are all variations of that. And in, a, in another mood, when the mind is relaxed and open, 
it's a peculiar trait, but you know, the person has a lot of traits, and that's just one of them. And you see how much the state of the mind really makes the state of the heart. And to be able to know, oh yeah, my mind at this moment is filled with that trait, but really there's more to that person. And this trait they have because their mother before them had it, and their mother before them had it, they couldn't be different. If they were, everything about them would be different. Can't just have a traitectomy, you know, you can't take out <laughs> one thing from a person. So everything about them would be different, including me, you know, all of us. We really, so be able to have that kind of a heart. What else? Be, yeah. I was going to do my do meta for my ex-husband who I've been trying to work on, but then as I pictured him, this other man kind of stepped in front of him, and he was this man who tried to that I don't know, but he tried to harm me in a really bad way when I was help. He didn't succeed, but he frightened me very much, and it's really strange. <laughs> and uh, I found the phrases were difficult because I would think. If he, uh, if I said, for him to be free of danger, that might be the police coming to get him, and I don't want them to, mm-hmm. to take him away so we couldn't harm anybody, mm-hmm. things like that. And I, and I was only able to say that I would wish for him to have his whatever he needed. Mm-hmm. What's your name? Kathleen. Kathleen. Uh, just in one the encapsulating sentence, Kathleen said she started with the intention of wishing well towards her ex-husband, or at least bringing him to mind and see what happened. And instead, all of a sudden, from out of the distant past, came the image of a man who had tried a long time ago to do her some harm and had not succeeded. But nevertheless, all of a sudden, there he was. How I understand that, really, is it's very touching to me that... um, Terrible trauma can happen to us a very, very long time ago. And it lives in there as new as it happened five minutes ago. And that it, until it's healed, really, and it waits for, or semi-healed. I'm not actually sure. I think what happens is maybe it gets that gold healing around it. I don't know that we ever forget it. Don't forget it. But I think when those kinds of things happen to me, I think to myself, oh, I had no idea that was so near the surface, that it was so waiting in line. I have an idea that our, our, um, the stuff of our past is waiting in line to get healed. You know? I think really the motion of the mind is towards healing. I think that's the best thing. I mean, I'm really very, excited about that. I mean, when we don't, that, that's motion of the body, you know, when we don't have a malignant disease that needs really more radical intervention. We get a flu, we mostly get over it by ourselves. We get a cold, mostly the body marshals itself. It knows how to take care of itself, and it mostly heals itself. I think the mind actually mostly heals itself if we give it enough room, and we take good care of it, and we allow ourselves to recognize that we're sick and that we have to get better. When we have the flu, if we pretend that we don't and we just go to work and we stand out in the rain or we overtire ourselves or we do whatever, we might get sicker. I think the same if we really need the mind to heal from the many ways in which it has been insulted in our lives, then all of this stuff is going to have to come up and somehow be acknowledged. Oh yes, that's there. But that was then, not now. My sense of my response to that is not to wish those people well. I wish myself well. Because in the moment that that's come up, I have frightened myself. Where did he come from? I haven't thought of him in X number of years. Matter of fact, I thought I forgot about him, and here he is. I'm in pain. May I be free of danger. May I ha- mind be happy. May my body be peaceful. May I live with ease. When I'm sufficiently healed, maybe I'll be able to think of that person with my body not feeling once again insulted or offended or hurt. The most um, intimate kind of metta, the most connected metta, somebody said it 
this morning uh, about uh, when they thought of their child, that they really have really serious feelings of, I really, really hope you're well, because we have those feelings of great affection. We have them for ourselves as well when we acknowledge that we are wounded. We really want so much to be better. The natural response of the mind is, may I be peaceful, may I be at ease, may I be happy, may my mind be happy. What else happened for you? Yes. Well, it's a similar to what you were talking about, but I, I found it really fascinating because I was, has, it also has to do with intention and the amount of energy you put into it, but I, I, I picked the person that, in my mind, had the most conflict, most um, hurt me the most. Uh, recent time. And I went through a, the four things a number of times, and it was okay, because you know, I spent a lot of years trying to heal this. And then all of a sudden I got to the point where it says, may, um, may he be happy. May his mind be happy. And I said, no. Mm-hmm. I don't want his mind to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, it, it really just sort of shocked me. And then yeah. I got into this little battle with myself. Well, you're supposed to, but, you know, but, yeah. but I don't. Yeah. You know, I said, okay, well, I'll go into the next one. Or yeah. I hope his body. You know, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah. And it just brought up what was really going on for me, um, which you sort of already alluded to about wasn't I need to work on myself. Mm-hmm. But there was this little battle going on in myself. So I think, what, what's your name? Ken. Ken. Also yes, Ken. Ken too. Yeah. Um, that I, first of all, again, I'm sure everybody is touched by the fact that even that we think, I mean, it's a long time, or it's not such a long time in this case, but we feel we should sort of get over it. It's the right thing to do. The mind doesn't, is not on our spiritual timetable, you know? <laughs> that, uh, besides, who said how fast we're supposed to get over this is about acknowledging the truth of our experience and responding to it with kindness. If the truth is that we think of a person and pain comes up and, and we realize, here we are, good people. You probably are a nice person, Ken, I guess. You probably, for most people, don't think to yourself, may they be happy. No. You know? So I don't, I don't, think, that, I don't think you would have told that story if you were. So my guess is that you're a, a kind-hearted person who's startled to find that his mind and his heart says no. You know, but it does for all of us. When we're not sufficiently healed, when we are still hurt, we say things like, I, you know, I wouldn't give that person the time of day. Or, you know, we, we become pinched and um, ungenerous and unkind. And it's really not that we aren't generous or kind, or that we don't know that we would feel better if we manifested ourselves that way. We do. It's that we are still in pain. And for myself, if um, I see that we're coming down to the end of our time, we'll have to continue this in the next time that we meet together. I would like to give it to you as a uh, a homework. Uh, If you're coming back in the next whole day that we meet, or if you're not, I'd, I'd invite you, if you're not, to think about doing it. But make this a six months of heart-opening intensive. I'd like to invite you to keep a journal. Get a journal. That's your loving-kindness journal. And uh, you don't have to write in it every single day like a journal. But suppose you came to think about this particular person. You put that person's name. And I would write a little bit about what he did. I would write about it four ways, by the way. I would write about what he did or what she did. I'd write about it completely as a descriptive story. We met, uh, this happened, this happened, this happened. As if you're a, a third-party observer. And then I'd... Uh, maybe you could... Um, maybe you could write about how you feel about it what you felt, what you feel, the emotional response to it. Then maybe you could write it the whole story again about what you think. Because we always speculate, well, it must be because of this or that, or maybe I responded this way because my mother, my father. How do we know? Maybe, you know. 
I'm, I'm thinking a lot these days about how many stories I have about why I am the way I am. Because I told them so many times. You know, because we grow up in such a psychological culture that all of us, when people say, well, how come you got like that? We'll say, well, my mother this and my father that. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure. I'm, you know, I'm not as sure as I used to be. I'm sure it has something to do with it, but I'm not sure it has everything to do with it. But what do you think about it also, I think, um, um, is an aspect of it. And then I would leave the fourth part, which is really an intuitive um, place for intuitive uh, new understanding, insight. I'd wait for that to come. I'd say to myself, I'm working on this. I've described it. I've talked about how I felt. I've talked about what I thought. Maybe I'll um, sit with this for a while or I'll practice uh, metta for myself about it and see what intuition comes up. And I imagine that you might do that with more than one person over this time. Maybe pick out a few people in your life and write about it. Does that seem like a good homework over the time and <coughs> reflect about it? Um, what I noticed with the, with the person that, that arose is that my heart was open, mm-hmm. but my mind said, no, I don't want my heart to be open yeah. towards them. So it almost was a contradiction yeah. when my mind was closing down my heart. Uh-huh. I think it's a little bit like what Ken said, and I am aware that people need to be places. So I'm, that's going to be the last question. We're going to do one five-minute, three-minute exercise together, and we'll close for today. But that contradiction of we think we should do it another way and get over all of our, but the heart doesn't want to do it, is really the place of where the work happens. I mean, the therapists know that, but everybody knows that. That we wish, we, remember this morning I said, who would take a sip of the water? Who wouldn't do that, you know? But we are afraid to do it for all the reasons that I'll forget to be discerning, I'll, I'll take a risk that I shouldn't take, I need to protect myself, it would be simple-minded, uh, I wouldn't give this person the pleasure of having a good life, they hurt me so much. <laughs> Whatever it is, uh, I mean, secretly we think that, that, I mean, that it hurts us that they should be having, they don't merit it somehow. So we get to be judges of our own merit and their merit. Ultimately, it fatigues the mind. But it's not that easy to let it go. So it is the stuff of our spiritual lives and of our psychological lives. What? There are a lot of them. They live here. (laughs) Yeah. Come on. Your former student. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. It's four thirty. Okay, we have a. Uh, we need to make an announcement, and then we need to close. I, the, the closing. The announce. Go make your announcement. Okay. Now. Now. No. Okay. Take off the record. You probably want to know. You probably got this in the mail. That um, there's a basket out there that says Teacher Donna. Because uh, everybody here who teaches, teaches because they love to teach and they want to share Dharma. And the way that Dharma is sustained in the world is that um, people often give us gifts uh, as a, um, um, a statement of their hope that the teaching of Dharma continues in the West on this basis of generosity um, that came from Asia. It's a particular to the Theravada tradition. And we are determined, uh, we have been determined at Spirit Rock to preserve that tradition. So teachers are not on salary and they don't get paid, but uh, people give them gifts. You should know if you make a gift, uh, if you make a check, you make it out to Spirit Rock, but you put it in the teacher, Donna, and you declare it as a tax deduction because we are a religious institution, um, a non-profit, okay? Not at all. None of it does. Uh, it goes to, people are often interested, what does it go to? It goes to sustain this enormous 
enterprise of heat and light and phone bills and staff and all the flyers that you got and the telephone bill, but it's actually all calibrated and none of it goes to us. So uh, we get what you put in that basket. So there's the whole of the Donna talk. Uh, it's one of the things that I really have loved about the whole Dharma scene in this tradition. Uh, what I heard about, what I heard from it from one of my teachers at the first retreat is he said, we don't uh, put a price on it because it's priceless. And uh, I like that so much. I also like the idea of thinking that uh, it made it available to everyone and that when I made my check, I could feel that I was um, sustaining the teachers on behalf of those people who couldn't sustain them as well. So it's actually Donna is a practice. And uh, I, I, maybe in one of the three days that we meet from now, I want to talk to you about the sense of giving a gift that's so much a part of this whole Brahma Vihara practice. One minute practice. Now you can turn on the tape because it's a very important practice. Maybe two minutes will just be a little. Uh, the question was, uh, Robert, Robert, uh, I, I may have forgotten your name. No, not Ken, but how fast or slow do you do this? Or, Bill, Bill, Bill. Uh, how many names do you have to get in? Okay, can you get in? One name for a year would be fine. Just yourself forever would be fine. It's all one heart and it's all one feeling. But here's a practice that's really quite lovely. I'd like, when I say, let's begin now, I'd like you on each in-breath to think of somebody in your life who you know. You can think of it, start with the nearest and dearest to you. Think of that person, see them, say their name, breathe out, and you know that the breathe out is wishing them well. Next breath in, you have to have somebody else out. Next breath in, somebody else out. It, I teach it to my grandchildren. It's a game. You can't think the same person twice. You have to get a new person for each one. So we'll sit two minutes, ready, set, go. Could have done it a lot longer, couldn't you? <laughs> there isn't enough time. 
to love everybody adequately unless we take it on as a lifelong practice and do it all the time. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be happy. May all beings come to the end of suffering. And may the merit of our practice here together and the merit of our intention, the effort that we brought to coming here, being here, paying such good attention, and for turning our hearts in the direction of peace for ourselves and for our community and for the world. May we give it all of us as a gift, as a dana, as a donation for the well-being of all beings everywhere. May all beings be peaceful and happy. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.